now on nights, Thursdays with the Doc. What's up, Doc? Dr. Ross Walker. Yeah, a weekly chat with Dr. Ross, of course, with the footy back. It's happening on a Thursday. Dr. Ross, good evening once again. Uh, good evening, John. Lovely to talk to you. Now, let's kick off. This is all, of course, uh, going to be covered in great detail on your show, Healthy Living Across the Country on the weekend. But mm. inflammation, we hear a lot of products, a lot of things all about reducing inflammation. So... What are you doing on that and what have you got to tell us now? Well, I'm just basically explaining to people what inflammation is and why it's so important. And a new study that's come out in people with rheumatoid arthritis, which is a very strong autoimmune inflammatory condition, how they found that by suppressing inflammation in these people, they also suppressed inflammation in the arteries because people with rheumatoid have a 50% increased risk for heart disease. So I'll be explaining all that on the weekend. Yeah, it's really interesting because there's so many products about reducing inflammation, mm. isn't there? So how how do you pick your way through the forest of them? Uh, you've really got to speak to an expert to to guide you through that forest, John. You can't do it yourself. No, okay. All right. Now, uh, dementia, is, it's, it's, it's going to be the issue of our time, isn't it, as everyone mm. gets older? Absolutely. Uh, but, but you've got something relating to laxative. I'm always worried yeah. about asking this. This is my weird file. I, I didn't realise these numbers, but 20% of the general population, 40% of community-dwelling older adults, and wait for this, 70% of people living in nursing homes suffer significant constipation. And what they found out in this big study, and this was just over a half a million people in a thing called the UK Biobank, an average age of these people were just over 56, they found that those who were regular laxative users, and it was only 1.3%, uh, had a, a significant higher rate of dementia, about a 50% increased risk for dementia uh, over the, the almost 10 years that they followed these people. So I just thought there was interest. So I'll be talking on the show on the weekend about why that could possibly be, what the links are, and what you can do about it. Now, you do regular exercise, I know. I sure do, yep. I know there's, a, there's an army of people that are out there every morning at dawn, either walking, riding bikes, or swimming. There's also a lot of people who do it in the evening. Mm. So what is the right time for physical activity? Are you having a look at this? Yeah, but this was a study done in mice, and you really can't extrapolate mice data to human data as far as exercise goes because mice are nocturnal. But so they found so they found that the mice who were exercised in the morning in one of those little wheels that the mice run around in, as opposed to being exercised in the afternoon, had much greater fat burning. But I think there's a few problems with that because I have an issue with people over the age of 50 doing early morning exercise because, John, you know when the tom commonest time of a heart attack is? Eight o'clock on a Monday morning. Figure really? that one out. Okay. And, and so when you wake up in the morning, your blood is thicker, your blood pressure is higher, your arteries are more constricted. So if you jump out of bed and go exercising, I think there's a bit of an issue. And, and when they looked at the mice anyhow, they were talking about exercising mid-morning, not first thing in the morning. So I, I still think for people over the age of 50, my advice is to do most of your exercise between two and six in the afternoon. Okay, and I did promise a listener earlier in the week to ask this question because we were we were talking about heart health. We were talking mm. about the the COVID, the latest talk about COVID, and the the work on your immunity and uh, whether you've got natural immunity if you've had COVID. But uh, one of our listeners was saying they've had they've had the four shots. Yep. If they're going to get a booster, they're looking at either uh, Moderna or Pfizer. And I said, well, I'd ask you because I thought that you recommended or you you had actually gone and got Novavax. Is that right? Mm. Well, I haven't had a fifth shot because I'm waiting to see what happens. So I think if you're not in the category of the very old, the very sick or the very overweight, 
my personal uh, feeling is to just wait and see what happens. If we see another wave of COVID coming through, go off and get vaccinated. I still have a slight concern about the RNA vaccines, but the point I make to everybody is that COVID is 10 times worse than any vaccination. Mm. But if I was going to have another one, I'd have Novavax. Novavax. I think, it's, yeah, I think that was my fourth, and I think you that we, we yep. talked about that Same on the air me. at the time. Now... A uh, couple of uh, jokes for us. We'll get them on Thursday nights now. Yeah. Well, look, look, John, a bit of philosophy here. You don't need a parachute to skydive. You only need a parachute to skydive twice. <laughs> and, and I like I, that one. And I asked my friend when his birthday was. He said, March 1st. I stood up, walked around in the room, and I asked oh, him again. No. <laughs> no. All right. Now, look, we've mentioned uh, we've mentioned dementia. So uh, you're also talking about Alzheimer's. This is this broad basket. These, these are all these conditions mm. we have to deal with. So uh, what's this one you're looking at here? Well, I'm talking about a supplement linked to reduced biomarkers of Alzheimer's disease. Because, you see, you can't do long-term supplement studies because they go on for years and years and years to see if these supplements prevent Alzheimer's disease. So what you do is you see whether they prevent the blood biomarkers of this disease. And this is a study out of Delaware in the US and it found that there's this this wonderful supplement that I've got to say I take myself called NAD riboside which is a form of vitamin B3 which markedly improves the energy packs in your cells and especially the energy packs in the brain and they found that this stuff easily crosses into the brain and improves energy and reduces all the biomarkers for Alzheimer's disease. Okay very good and look uh, this one I'm fascinated by uh, electronic bandage so it's a yeah. it can, it, I mean bandages haven't changed a huge amount have they over 100 years? No and this this is my, my future of medicine segment and this is only an animal study but there's no reason why this can't happen very soon is they've developed these electronic bandages that have almost like this little flower shaped electrode that sits over the top of the wound with a ring shaped electrode that sits around the skin around the healthy skin and it you basically put the apply the bandage leave it on and stimulate do electrical stimulation for 30 minutes a day over a few days and it accelerates the closure of the wound by 30 percent and there are a lot of diabetics out there about 20 percent of diabetics get some degree of foot ulcers and it takes so long to get them better so if we could get something like this to apply these electronic bandages it'd be a real breakthrough in the treatment of diabetes so and this is something that's worked very well in animals they just have to do human studies on it okay now another one that you're looking at and this is most interesting as well people who survive strokes and uh, yep. then i think we've we, we know that you the, the sooner you deal with it the sooner there's intervention uh the less damage there is and then of course there's the whole rehabilitation program mm. which can involve i know i know a fellow that uh, has regular botox uh, yep. which, which helps him, and he's 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 doing so well. But mm. uh, what's the latest here with el electromagnetics? Well, this this is really interesting, and it's only an anecdote. It's only really two case studies of two stroke survivors, but one of them had had disability, couldn't move their right arm for nine years, and they they gave this electronic stimulation, so painless stimulation of the the cervical cord. So put a couple little pads over over the the cervical cord from what we call C4 down to T1, just the lower cervical cord. So they didn't implant anything; they just put the electrodes on the skin, and they stimulated these uh, daily. Uh, five times a week for four weeks and they found that the, the people who had this treatment could then, and they couldn't do this before, grasp and lift a tin of soup, use a key, 
feed themselves with the affected hand, nothing they'd been able to do for, for nine years. And interestingly, when they stopped the treatment, it was still sustained after the treatment was stopped. Quite okay. exciting yeah, stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, it is anecdotal, as you said, but it's a, it's, a, it's a marker that will result in more research. So there's that yeah. one. Jim, here we go again. So in, in, it's a, a bit of an outsider. Another bit of uh, yeah. dementia story. Another story yeah. to do with dementia this time. Well, I thought this was really interesting because there's a lot of, a lot of benefits from the whole variety of mushrooms on the market. And there's a thing called lion's mane mushroom. And they, they basically took... Uh, human nerve cells and they applied the the stuff in this lion mane's mushroom and doubled the length of growth in these neurons so we're talking about the potential for being able to regrow nerves with this with a, a basically harmless substance that's in mushrooms then they gave it to a bunch of mice who were genetically primed to develop alzheimer's disease and by having these extract the lion mane extract they, they markedly improved their memory in the maze test they gave the mice. So it's just something interesting that there's possibly some natural substances will be coming through for the management of Alzheimer's disease because we already know about ginkgo and brahmi and a thing called phosphatidylserine. Here's yet another one. And you'll talk about all of this, of course, in uh, the uh, Healthy Living program coming up across the country on Sunday night. Can I give you, what, 10... You're going to talk about the football, do you? The, the Charity Shield? Where was it last week or the week before, was it? I, I think it was two weekends ago. Okay. I, oh, you're going to talk about something two I, weeks ago? Yeah, no, but it's still, I don't want to mention the fact that South's won yet again. What a wonderful team they are with our Luttrell and all the other wonderful players who play for South. But anyhow, no, I better, I better finish off with a, a, a Can couple I just of give our listeners a warning? Because I should have done this earlier. If you've got stitches in the side, if you've got maybe some broken ribs you're recovering from, you might want to listen here because you don't want to have, you know, you could split your sides. Uh, no, with this John, material. I'm trying to be serious here because these are about the tragic deaths of two very prominent people who've had a great effect on society. The first, did you hear, John, that the inventor of crosswords died? He was buried six down and two across. <laughs> and, and also, Larry LaPrize, the man who wrote the Hokey Pokey, he died peacefully at age 93. The most traumatic part of, for his family was getting him into the coffin. They put his left leg in and then the trouble started. <laughs> Very good. All right. Well, there's a lot more where they came from. And you can hear them all on Sunday night, healthy living across the country with Dr. Ross. And we'll chat with you regularly on a Thursday night. Ross, uh, looking forward to South will lose some games this year. Nah, so I'm looking forward to some of those conversations that are coming up later <laughs> in the year as well. Thanks, mate. Talk to you later. Bye.